This episode of UK Low Carb Podcast is sponsored by Deliciously Guilt Free. Enjoy the show. And I think for us, it's about paying it forward and giving other people the chance to change their lives in the way that we've changed ours. What I have learned over the past two years has been magnificent. You know, it's, it's completely changed my life. Um, and so you're not going to die if you don't eat carbohydrates, but you will die if you don't eat fat and protein. The energy I have, the life I have that has changed so amazingly in a few years, proves to me that what I'm eating is only doing me good. I, you know what? I'd love to meet them because um, they changed my life, basically. So I've lost now, I'm just a couple of, I'm about three pounds off losing five stone. Hello and welcome to UK Low Carb. This is your podcast, the podcast where we share the real life stories and experiences of people like you and me, people who follow the low carb or keto diet. So join me, Dan Grief, and my co-host each Friday to hear their story. And if you'd like to get involved, then please email me, dan at uklowcarb.com or join our growing Facebook group, UK Low Carb. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts so that we can get the message out about the amazing benefits of the low-carb and keto lifestyle. Now, this podcast is sponsored by my business, Deliciously Guilt Free. Just use the code PODCAST and you can have 20% off your order. On with the show! Hello and welcome to another episode of UK Low Carb. I'm your host, Dan Grief, and I'm so pleased that you're here today to listen to this great episode. More about that later. But for those who haven't listened to this show before, just let you know that I'm your host, Dan Grief, and we are here to try to share stories from individuals from all around the world to help grow the community uh, for low carb and keto eaters um, so that they can grow in confidence, can share their story with the rest of the world, and then hopefully uh, share that story so that it might inspire other people to do the same. And as I always say, I believe in grassroots movements are the key to any sort of change. And that is why this podcast is here to try and start uh, the grassroots movement and also, I suppose, nurture the one that's already there already. Now, uh, I just want to thank you so much for last week. Um, the feedback has been incredible. It was really touching that so many of you enjoyed the two episodes we put out with um, my panel. So if you're not if you're not aware and you want to go back and listen to this, and feel free. Um, it's also on YouTube. So what happened is I did a live. Uh, Prof. Tim Noakes came on the show with Doctors Jen and David Unwin, and also the nutritionist Pauline Cox, and it was a really really good show because. Well, I'm going to let you into uh, behind the scenes. When you go live on StreamYard, the program we use for YouTube, you actually have all of their faces in front of you. So there I was about to hit the record or the live button, thinking to myself, you know, what am I getting myself into here? Uh, Hit the button thinking, right, the countdown's on. What do I say to these people? You know, like, uh, who am I? I'm just a lad from Norwich who's got a podcast. It's done okay. I'll tell you about that in a minute. And uh, and here I've got these amazing guests on talking about low carb. And it made me think, you know, this is so much bigger than any of us. You know, we are part of this movement. And if that inspires somebody, if it helps encourage somebody, then fantastic. It was really just, yeah, mind-blowing. Um, now, I did actually <laughs> make a slight error, I think. You might not have noticed. You may have done. So I thought I'd keep it kind of casual. And I thought I'd call them, you know, Dr. Jen, Dr. David. But that then also meant that I had to call... Prof Noakes, Prof Tim, 
Because I thought, well, you know, you don't want to then say Prof Noakes, and then I've used first names for some people and surnames for others. And that's just almost like, you know, rubbing it in that one's a professor, so he's higher than the others or something, which is obviously not what I was trying to do. So I then called him Prof Tim, and it just sounded really weird as it came out of my mouth. But anyway, he didn't seem to notice or mind. Uh, in fact, he's such a lovely guy. I think he was just you know, very relaxed and just happy to be there with everyone. Anyway. It was a great show. If you want to go and check it out on YouTube, you can. Um, just put in uh, UK Low Carb and you'll see our YouTube channel there. We've been putting up loads of episodes, so check it out. More and more shows will be put up there eventually. Um, and my, and my idea is that eventually we're going to have almost like a TV channel. So we'll put more and more of these up there. Um, and who knows how it's going to grow. Maybe we can put some more programs and series up as well. Um, anyway, the other way you can listen to it, of course, is through the podcast, which is on all podcast apps. So go and check it out if you want to learn about all sorts of topics we we're discussing on The Big Conversation. Now, the next thing I need to tell you about today is a very exciting announcement. This little old Tim Pot podcast has now managed to achieve in just over a year and a quarter, it's now managed to achieve over 100,000 downloads. I know, knock me over with a feather, I can't quite believe it myself. When I started this podcast out, I, I, off, I remember thinking, God, could you imagine getting to 1,000 one day? Or could you imagine getting to 10,000 downloads? So the fact that we're one-tenth of a million, 100,000, obviously you knew that. But now we're 100,000. I can't actually believe that somehow. That's just incredible. Anyway, it's a special little thank you to you listeners. Um, halfway through this episode today, you'll actually find there's like a little bit where I segue off and give you a little discount code for uh, Deliciously Guilt-Free Cakes. So if you are interested in uh, Deliciously Guilt-Free Keto Low-Carb Cakes, then I suggest you go and check that out on this podcast. Um, and also there's uh, some feedback from some of our customers on there too, so go check that out as well. But I'm so touched. Thank you so much for downloading, for the support you give me. And you know what I love? When you do a live show like the one we did the other day, you get someone like, you know, Yvonne Lane, uh, Nicola Locke, uh, Randa. Actually, Randa wasn't on there, but he's a legend who deserves praise in his own right anyway. Um, you know, all these names of people that I know who come come along to the shows. Chris Rooney, another one. Uh, you people are always there supporting me, You're always asking questions. You're always um, getting involved with things. And I just want to say a massive thank you for that. Uh, equally, if you're part of the big fast we had with the Wolfpack last week for five days, thank you for being part of that as well. I really feel like yeah, you're my friends and, and we're getting to know each other, which is wonderful. So thank you for your support, guys. And like I said, there's a discount code, including this episode later in the recording. So go check that out as well. Right, before I get into today's show, I'm going to just read you a quick review, just in case you thought my head couldn't get any bigger in this uh, podcast today. This is a five-star review left on Apple Podcasts, uh, and it's five stars from Martin Bailey, who says, When I followed a keto diet a few years ago, there were only US podcasts such as Jimmy Moore, fantastic podcast, of course, which is fine and still going. Now it's fantastic. We have a brilliant UK-orientated podcast, really inter interesting interviews with really interesting people such as Dr. David Unwin, Deborah Scott, big shout-out to Deborah Scott, who's an absolute legend. Check out that show. Uh, I don't know which number it was. Um, and Gary Torbs and many others. Subscribe now. Cheers, Martin. Really appreciate that feedback. And um, yeah, so just to let you know, Gary Torbs, I think you know who Gary Torbs is. Deborah Scott shared her story of how she put into remission of type 2 diabetes and she's just the most fit and healthy person ever now. 
really inspiring member of the incredible group uh, diabetes.co.uk so um, listen to that show and of course Dr David Unwin not only was he on the big conversation last week and the week before but also he uh, I spent Christmas with him and Jen uh, where we did a Christmas show and also last August he did uh, two podcasts and in that one he actually does a um, a little bit of an audio kind of role play with me uh, me as the patient, him as my GP, um, and how he would have that conversation about cutting back on carbohydrate and how to make a change in your life. So really good episode if you're a GP who wants to kind of pick up some tips and tricks from the great man, David Unwin himself. Right, let's get into today's show. Now, today I'm joined by the team that is Fabulously Keto. They are a podcast run by Jackie and Louise. They are a podcast. They host a podcast. They make a podcast and they're called Jackie and Louise. Now, we had a great chat making this podcast and I kind of sometimes think that they're kind of lucky, not lucky, they've engineered it well, should we say, to have two of them hosting a podcast because I feel like you could probably bounce off each other a little bit and they've got a great friendship and that really comes across and it's really uh, a great thing being on their podcast and now I'm really really pleased that they can come on my podcast as well um so yeah so it's been a great it was a great show great recording we talked about lots of different things to do with their story their journey uh which they shared with me and then hopefully you'll find soon the other way around when I'm on their podcast as well although I guess you've had enough from me to be fair um so I hope you enjoy this show with Louise and with Jackie and uh, just let you know have a great weekend whatever you're up to stay safe have a great time and I'll see you next week until then take care everyone so I'm so pleased to be now joined by Jackie and Louise from Fabulously Keto. Welcome to UK Low Carb. Thank you. Great to have be here. Thanks, Dan. It's great to be here too. Yeah, and thank you because I know that I was on your podcast uh, a few weeks ago recording-wise, so it's kind of nice to now have you back on to my show as well because when you're getting to know people on their podcast, you think, oh, I'd like to know that about them as well. So now we can return the favour and find out a little bit about yourselves. It would be great. Um, just before we go into anything, though, I want to find out first, Jackie, when did you launch the podcast? How long has it been going for now? Uh, since the 1st of October last year, 2020. 1st of October. Okay. So that's like, what's that? Six, seven. It's a little while, quite a while now then. Uh, quite a few months. We're, we're up to, at the time of recording, we've just launched episode 36. 36. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So I want to, I want to find out about the podcast first before we get into a little bit of yourselves. So who came up with the idea first? Was it you, Jackie, or you, Louise, as to running Fabsy Keto? Or was it more like a project which you've been discussing for a while, which evolved into this? How did this all come about? Louise, what do you want to say on that? Because you're already shaking your head with a, a few thoughts. No, it's all Jackie's idea. Can't you, you? I feel like a puppet, you know, really, like a Muppet. I've got Jackie's hand up my... Ooh, up my <laughs> up my back um no it was all Jackie's <laughs> idea so um yeah so she was the one that was actually inspired by uh the low carb md so she says so I'll I'll hand over to Jackie because she tells the story really good so yeah no actually I, I was inspired by Jimmy Moore because I, I would listen to his podcast and he would always say to people you should do a podcast you should do a podcast and I was thinking yeah I should do a podcast and this was ages and ages before. This was in early, probably 2019, maybe may, probably 2018, I started thinking about it. 2019, I think, was when I first vocalised it and I first vocalised it to Louise. And, and then, so I was going to do it by myself. That was the plan. That's what I intended to do. And 
And then I was listening to Low Carb MD and they were doing their 100th episode and they were saying how they'd come together and all these things. And I thought Louise was in the background. She was helping me. She was pushing me and giving me ideas. So I thought, oh, I should ask Louise if she wants to join me. Ex- totally expecting her to say no because she is fully employed. And then she said yes. So I was amazed. Well, now I just want to make this point clear for people who might not know already that actually you're not on the same continent, let alone country or whatever, are you? So, um, so Louise, right now you're in Thailand, um, but you're actually you live in Australia most of the time. Is that right? Yeah, but I was actually living in the UK when Jackie and I met. So even though right. my life sounds rather exotic, you know, here I am in this, you know, hot and sweaty tropical paradise. Um, you know, and where I was before in 2018, 19, I was living and working in the UK and that's how Jackie and I got to be together. So, um, yeah, but, but originally, um, and I suppose in, in my heart, you know, being, being Australian. So, um, yeah, roaming the world as I do. Yeah. Amazing. Now, what's the challenge then of trying to record a podcast when you're in different parts of the world? Because have you been in Thailand the whole duration of the podcast, uh, life since October? Absolutely, yeah. So um, I was left the UK in what was it at the end October of October? 19. Yeah, October nineteenth. Oh, so a year so before, in, yeah. Yeah, so December nineteen. That's when I moved to to Thailand, and then we launched. Right. Obviously, um, we launched the podcast. So the biggest challenge really is just the time zones, and it's the hardest time zone to fit. Is anybody that's on the west coast of the US? It just means one of us has to stay up really late or one of us gets up really early so other than that you know as we've learned through lived through the pandemic you know anything and everything can be done remotely so um yeah there's nothing like a good good internet good apple products and uh you know headphones and microphone and off you go other brands are available just want to say that (laughs) (laughs) not plugging them they've got enough marketing going on so okay then. So when you launched your podcast, what was the what was the aim, the ambition? And I know you said already, Jack, you had a bit of an idea behind the podcast and why you're doing it. But was it about sharing stories, or was it about interviewing experts, or a bit of a mixture of everything? Yeah, I think for me, it was about um, finding out people's both stories and experts, um, getting people in, giving out the information. I think for us, it's about paying it forward and giving other people the chance to change their lives in the way that we've changed ours. I love that. Paying it forward, that's really powerful. So there's definitely a story there we're going to dive into. Um, but before I do dive into that, I've got a, a really good question. Well, I think it's a good question, and it's for both of you. So either, you can go either one first. What have you learned since doing your podcast? Uh, so they're very time-consuming to make. <laughs> <laughs> But actually, it's just, I just love it. We've got to meet so many different people. Okay, over Zoom, but we've got to meet so many different people and so many different walks of life. We've heard so many different stories and so many people are such inspirations for so many people out there. And we, I just love it. I love it. And Louise, what about yourself? Like Jackie said, it's obviously, it's the time. And I think what there's two two types of stories that we have and, and as Jackie identified it's the it's the narrative you know it's the it's the story 
and that lived experience, which, you know, as a, as a researcher, you know, the intellectual, um, I, I hear the lived experience. And even in that lived experience, there is what uh, you may well be familiar with the wounded healer. So there's been something happen and that wounded person is obviously wanting to, to make a change. You know, they made a personal change to their life by, you know, low carb or keto, but they themselves are paying forward with, you know, their advocacy role or if they're in clinical practice that, you know, the doctors or the, um, the pharmacist, you know, our friend Graham Phillips, you know, they're paying it forward. So then we have the subject matter experts, you know, those people that are very knowledgeable that come up with a, with a technical thing. Again, their lived experience has transformed their life through using low carb keto and they're paying it forward with, you know, in their, um, particularly in their clinical practice as well. But the wounded healer story is just so fascinating and the transformative power of that. And, you know, by sharing that, as Jackie said, and, you know, our mission, vision and values is really to, to inspire, educate and inform. And I think that clarity of what we're doing in the way that we're paying it forward to inspire, educate and inform others. So really, you're very similar. Uh, and I think it's the same for me and probably most of us. You're very similar to the people who are on your show because you actually feel like you are proselytizing based on what you've learned and the change to your own life. Oh, oh Louise has pulled a face like she doesn't agree. I think there's a, with the proselytizing, I think that that comes around a conversion narrative. And I, I really want to take care in that we're setting out to convert people because I still think that it's, you know, while low carbon keto is a great you know, a great lifestyle. There's many benefits. We don't want to say it's this one best fits model fits for everybody because there's no, you know, homogenous keto or low carb for everybody. It's still a choice. And for some people, it doesn't work. I, I still haven't quite worked out why, but, you know, why that would be. But I, I really don't want to come at it from this power differential that it must be keto. You must be keto. You know, is keto the is the way. Police? Keto police, whoop, whoop, whoop. Here comes the keto police, whoop, whoop, whoop. Because I still think that, you know, by inspiring, you know, this is our story, by educating, these are the benefits, you know, by, um, you know, by telling our story, this is your choice. You know, you choose. You do keto, you. You do you, keto. No, I agree. I just, I think maybe, maybe my point was uh, not explained well. What I meant, sorry, was is the want to try to tell the world about it because you realize there's something amazing here. However, it's never forcing anyone's hand because like you said, well, you, I don't think you can anyway, actually. I think when it comes to dietary things, people have to make their own choices at the end of the day. And all you can do is really make sure that people, I guess, well, they can make sure that they're fully informed. And it's just our position to say, you know, we can be fully informed and we can inform other people based on our own experiences. That's what it comes down to. But it's interesting how I don't know anyone, and this does come back to the original point, I don't know anyone who um, doesn't have a success on keto or an amazing transformation in some way on low carbon keto and not want to tell the world about it, which is like, it seems to be a common theme. Except for my cousin. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah, no, she, it's something, something has happened. Um, so she, yeah, went low carb keto, lost what, 44 pounds. So that's 20, 20 kilos. Um, Something happened and she's obviously put that back on, even though she has been tracking and all that sort of stuff. And that's obviously, 
she's an outlier, um, that, that N equals one, and it's still a bit of a mystery. May be something gut dysbiosis of some sort, but, um, yeah, has consulted widely, paid a lot of money for, you know, a whole range of tests, but yet there's still no definitive answer as to what she was doing was absolutely wonderful, had great results, and then it's obviously, um, yeah, something else has gone on. But you're absolutely right. The, the, in a nutshell, there is obviously, you know, the, the inspiring stories for ourselves is in part our motivation to, to want to, um, you know, educate and inform others. Yeah. So in terms of which episode would be a best one to go to, I don't know numbers, but if, if you just said, you know, I'd recommend on your show going to the episode with so-and-so, who would you recommend as a good place for listeners to go and listen to? Oh, wow. Episode two is what is keto? So if somebody was thinking about doing it, that that's a great one to go to. And then we've had, there are so many. So I always sending different people to different episodes. So it depends. Are you a type one diabetic? So one of somebody I know recently phoned me up and said her daughter's just being diagnosed as a type one diabetic. So I'd say, okay, go to episode three and 15. And then if, um, what's the other one? If it's a sugar addiction, then, you know, next week we have um, Jen Unwin coming out, which is 37, but there's Bitten Johnson, episode 11. So there's all different types of um, episodes. So I think it just depends what people are looking for. Um, and we've had and some big names in the keto space. So there's all different ones. Chronic fatigue. I loved, chronic I loved fatigue. Emma. Yeah, yeah, chronic fatigue. So Emma, Emma Soul, and we also had um, yeah with with chronic fatigue. Um, we've also got coming out uh, Dr. Sarah Myhill, you know, with her protocol um, for chronic fatigue. So it it really yeah it really depends on on what it is that's the the motivating what the why is for the listener in in terms of the range of guests that we've had. So brilliant yeah. stuff. Excellent. So there you go. So there's a full and varied catalogue there, which is fantastic to know. And like you said, I, I think it's exactly right. So I had an episode on um, somebody who came on to talk about their story of fibromyalgia, and uh, and then they're in America. And then somebody who listened in Germany said, well, actually, I have a similar story, and I'd like to share my story. So they came on and shared theirs. And then more recently, another listener said, oh, my sister-in-law, a family member, sorry, has got fibromyalgia. Uh, which episodes to recommend? And I said, well, these two are the ones I'd recommend to you. Now, to me, I recorded them at the time and they're very good and I've done other things, but I suddenly thought for that particular person and that time, that's what they needed. And I hope that helps in some way because the great thing is, it's a bit like, I suppose, like a coach, although we're not coaching people, but you are actually able to say, look, this person's been there, they've done that, they're, they did this. It might be helpful for you, it might not, but at least as an example there. And the fact that we could do this around the world I find that really exciting because if we were doing this just in Cambridge or just wherever you're based now, there'll be a few people doing keto. But the fact we can do this around the whole world to talk to people really brings people together. It makes the world seem a bit smaller in terms of the community and how close it can be, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so excellent. So thank you for that. I just want to go into your stories then, if I may. So um, if I start with you, Jackie, because um, as you said, you were the one who had the idea for the podcast and everything. So What's your relationship with food before discovering keto? I love food. I still do. <laughs> so I think for me, I was I just loved 
all the foods that I now know I shouldn't have eaten. And I was addicted to wheat, not particularly sugar. So my friends would always look at me and say, how can you just have three squares of chocolate? And I would sit with a huge bar of fruit and nut beside me on the couch and I would just take my three or four squares and that was it. And the whole bar would last a few weeks or whatever it is. And quite often I'd find that I'd throw bars of chocolate away because they'd been sitting there for so long and I hadn't eaten them. So chocolate um, sugar wasn't particularly my um, Achilles heel, but bread was and pasta, I think. So I used to drive six miles every day to go and pick up a loaf of bread, a loaf of fresh bread. And then that's what lunch would be, would be four slices of bread with whatever it was in it. So I think that's, I've always had big portions as well because my dad was overweight, my granddad was overweight. So I think I was predestined to be overweight. Um, My granddad used to be known as Cannon because he looked like the 70s detective. Uh, That's how big he was. (laughs) <laughs> so He's I a just thought, fellow by the sounds of it. Um, yeah. Can I just ask though, were they eating similar to yourself? We just used to eat. So when I grew up, we just used to have, we didn't eat between meals. So I might have had a couple of biscuits when I got home from school, but we tended not to eat between meals. We had a big dinner, but it was mostly meat and vegetables. Um, so it wasn't anything, it wasn't the type of life that we have today but I would just eat a lot you know I felt proud that I could eat as much as my dad um (laughs) and so I don't think I had a particularly bad um relationship with food I don't think I had any things going on but in the last few years before um I found this way of eating I was eating a lot and a lot of um, stodgy foods, bread, potatoes and um, things like that. And the bis- my biscuit consumption had gone up. So whereas before I'd have two biscuits or maybe a day, sometimes I was having three or four um, with my afternoon tea. Then I might have some chocolate after dinner. So it had gone up over the, the last few years and has had my weight. Now, what's interesting there is, though, but you is it right to say you wouldn't have naturally a sweet tooth because you said about the chocolate before? And you could have a few at a time. And yet, interestingly, it was creeping in, wasn't it? And creeping up. It was, yeah, it was. There's an interesting correlation there because I don't really have a massively sweet tooth either. And yet, if I have some chocolate, I'll be like, oh, I like some more of that. And it is and it is a weird thing, isn't it? How that can, you get into these patterns. Biscuits as well. I've never been a biscuit eater. Don't even get them. And yet, if I have one, I want another one. That's for sure. It's just out of the blue. It's like, well, I have two, not one. You know, it just seems to be that's what happens. Is that something you can relate to? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think, yeah, always tea in the afternoon with tea and biscuits, especially since my kids were small. And when they came home from school, we'd have um, tea and biscuits. That was the afternoon ritual. But those biscuit numbers were creeping up. Yeah. It's interesting as well that like, the routines, I find that interesting. You can, I think you are your habits and in a good and, a, and maybe not such a good way. And I think you can form positive habits, but also. These these not so positive ones can creep in sometimes where they trip you up because before you realise it, if you said to yourself, you know, in a year from now you'll be eating um, ten biscuits a day, you'd go, don't be ridiculous. But if you did that over a year gradually, you might not even realise it's happening, and then till suddenly you look back and go, whoa, what happened there then? And and I think that happens to a lot of us, doesn't it? Yeah, very yeah. easy to do. 
Oh, for sure. Um, so what about yourself then, Louise? Did you? What's your food relationship been like um, before you came across keto and low carb? Really, um, well, so certainly from childhood, adulthood, young young adulthood, um, it was quite fine. Like I, I wasn't particularly overweight or I had too many issues. The I think the biggest stressor for me and the one thing that changed my relationship with food that negatively impacted was the the slow disintegration of my my first marriage. So that's when my emotions really came to the fore and, you know, I was eating eating my emotions, as Dr. Phil would say, you know, I was after that party in my mouth. Mm. And what I found comfort in was obviously um, certainly some sweet things, so you, as you were talking about chocolate and biscuits and things like that. So, um, yeah, and certainly that was finding comfort, comfort eating and a lot of comfort eating. So as my marriage ended and uh, certainly the change in dynamics, I was um, single parenting, co-parenting and then single parenting, leading a very stressful life. And those, I think those stressors, as you said, those habits and those relationships with food became more dysfunctional or disordered. So I wouldn't say that I had a eating disordered, but certainly my eating was disorderly. So and ending up um single parenting and at the time my son ha- was having learning difficulties and that was obviously managing um quite a stressful relationship with the school um I was doing my doctoral thesis at the time I was working full time and studying and had a quite a um you know it was in the family court with you know his dad so loads and loads and loads of stress and loads and loads of particularly eating not only my food but not wanting to waste food as a food value, as a food habit, and then having to eat the food that was left over from from my son as well. So I was eating larger portions and subsequently, um, yeah, put on a lot of weight. You know what? Life is really blooming hard for some people, and that sounds like you had a real tough time there, Louise. Um, and I can see how, you know, it's easy, isn't it? Like if your life is kind of, more or less going in the in the right direction and things are going well things can sort of things like you know food choices become a lot easier i think when you when your life is going through a real tough time it can be the thing that goes on the back burner if and it can actually be a comfort and i can understand how it becomes that way for a lot of people um until your life gets easier again then you might feel like there's another option out there um but you know dan it wasn't because I was not to say I was a bad parent, but you know there were you know meat and three veg on the plate. But I didn't want you know he was on appetite suppressants for his ADHD, so he wasn't necessarily hungry. He, my son, wasn't hungry, so I didn't want to waste the food. So I made food. I'm a good parent. Here's my love, my language of love. Here's a plate of food. Um, and but while I was making that plate of food, I was eating like maybe you know four to six pieces of toast because I hadn't eaten all day because I had classes. I wasn't an unintelligent woman. Here I was, a health professional. I'm standing out the front of large first-year freshman classes of 500 as a health professional. Here is the health system. This is a health belief. And I was morbidly obese. What was I doing wrong? You know, where was the disconnect? You know, there was this huge dissonance as wide as the Grand Canyon here, you know. Here is this so, intelligent what you woman. Do, and she- Tell us more about your career. So I started out as a paramedic and I was Australia's first 
female paramedic to get their um, their PhD. So wow. I was teaching at university um, in undergraduate health and paramedic programs. But what I find interesting is a lot of people who are in the health space, I mean, okay, like I, I find this, and I know you've come across it as well on your podcast, uh, but the personal trainers out there who are following their own advice and they're eating whole grains and they're you know, having to, in fact, take on sugars and stuff as well for their exercise, then they have the weight problem and then they feel terrible because they're like, well, why am I putting on weight when I'm following my own advice? So they, even though you're a health professional, I think there's a lot of people in that situation who are actually eating a very carby diet, but that's the advice that they're getting from the official uh, authorities in all of our countries that that's how you should be eating. Absolutely. And it wasn't for the, the want of the health professionals, as you said, the range of health professionals. I was well connected at a, at a great university. So, you know, it was obviously going to the dietitians. It was obviously all the mainstream. So if you name a health professional, I went to go see them. So, and that really then led me to obviously look at my mental health. And I did find a eating disorder through the psychology unit, um, on main campus a health professional, um, a psychologist that I actually, you know, went to go and see. And I did, um, you know, thank the the goddesses and the gods out there that that man saved my life in, in a way that he really unpacked what, what were the disorderly eating patterns that, um, that I was really, was the primary, the primary reason for, for my weight gain. So this is, just want to check, is this was pre-keto still, was it? So Correct. this is... Yes, yeah, so this is learning about how you how you work and what was going on as a way to try to to heal those parts uh, of yourself. So, in that case, can I just ask, did you both find keto and low carb separately, or is this something that one of you inspired the other? Or was this completely like you just met each other after you'd been through the process of ketosis? And okay, Jackie, I think you're nodding first, so go for it. Yeah, so we we both have different journeys. We've both come through through to it through different reasons and it was through a facebook group that we met and then i found out that louise was going to be in chelmsford which she was in chelmsford which is just up the road from me so i just sent her a message on facebook and said i hear you're in chelmsford would you like to meet up and she was in australia at the time for christmas <laughs> but when she got back we had a coffee and then we we sort of we we see more of each other now than we did when she was in the uk but she was always busy off everywhere every weekend when she was in the uk oh so is this is this a keto low carb facebook group is is a yeah yes yeah. okay uh, and yourself louise so you were then you when did you when did you start your keto journey um before that what was it that took you from what you'd been told already about eating disorders and how you could try and work through those. What was then the link to thinking actually keto was the answer for you? Well, it, the one was my mum. And interestingly, she was already low-carb keto, um, you know, for quite some months. And so she'd already discovered it. So um, so just to backtrack, two two important parts. So leading, I had three years of therapy with the, with the psychologist and then I made the decision to actually have some weight loss surgery. So that was in 2012. In 2015, I had quite a serious motorcycle accident, so with quite critical injuries. So I was obviously, you know, part of my recovery was dealing and managing chronic pain. So my mum, unbeknownst to me, was already low-carb keto. So she already knew not only do you have the weight loss, but you can also manage the inflammation that comes oh, through that as well. Right. So 
mum sort of, you know, pushed, you know, laid the foundation and she said, oh, you know, do you think, you know, changing what you eat might actually help with your, with your pain? So, and, you know, with your inflammation. And it's like, hmm, I don't know. You know what, are you, what are you talking about now, mum? So, and she sort of said, oh, well, you know, the EDF, you just change this and this. Why don't you give this a go? So she hands me the real meal revolution, Tim Noakes's, you know, yep. you know, quite, quite, you know, excellent book. And it's just like, oh, okay, we'll give this a go. And that was in the December of 2015. Oh, I so, see. And so, um, I had uh, come out of obviously my first marriage and had already repartnered. So, and again, through love and, you know, cheesecakes and all this sort of, you know, making wonderful food for, for my new family, um, unbeknownst to me, my partner had put on quite a lot of weight. You know, he was looking, you know, quite sort of cherub-like as a teddy bear. And um, so I said, right, that's it. We're going, we're going low carb. That's it. We're chucking out all the bread and the pasta and the rice and all that sort of stuff. Much to the popular. shrill, yeah, to the shrill oh, of the, the, the three teenage idea, boys. Yeah, <laughs> so they were kicking and screaming, you know, as they as I was taking away their muffins and donuts and chips and crisps and stuff. So I mean, I love that. Okay, wow. And then Jackie, when you said, uh, I just want to catch up when you found out about low carbon keto and when you made the change, and also just as a comparison. Did you try to change your family's eating habits as well at that time or did you just change your own first and did it evolve? Okay. So at the time I was at my heaviest weight. I was um I'd never been that heavy and I was I was quite shocked actually because I hadn't stood on the scales for a long time. And it was just chance. I was listening to a podcast. I only ever used to listen to one podcast at that time and the person she interviewed said she'd read this book by Gretchen Rubin called uh, Mastering Your Habits of Every, um, what's it called, Louise? Um, better Than Before. Better Master- Than Before. Better Than Before. Mastering the Habits of Your Everyday Life. So I always felt that I was, I couldn't diet. I dieted all through my teens. I only ever managed three weeks at a time. I'd lose the weight. I'd put it back on. And I'd got to the age, I was in my 50s, and for the last 10 years, I was saying, diets don't work. What's the point? There's no point on going on diet. What is the point? But in the book, she mentions another book called um, Why We Get Fat and What to Do About It by Gary Taubes. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, well, she it sounds very good. Well, let me try that. So I listened to the book, and I was just hooked. I listened to it twice through. And I didn't even investigate any further i didn't do very much else except i cut out the bread because i knew bread was addictive i'd already read wheat belly so i knew how addictive the uh, the wheat was um i had given up wheat for nine months uh, a few years before so i i knew how addictive it was and i knew i was addicted to it and so i just cut out the bread the pasta the rice the potatoes and I didn't even cut out chocolate and sweets. Uh, well, I don't eat sweets, but chocolate. But I cut out the biscuits and the cakes. And I would have massive amounts of food. I'd eat lots of corn and peas. I love peas. And so I just had the meat. And whereas, uh, so my husband does all the cooking at home. So whereas before we would have meat, potatoes and a veg, I said, can I have two veg? So I would have meat and two veg. The boys would have meat, potatoes and two veg. And so we'd carry on. And I did that by myself. What's happened over time is uh, at one point, um, Ben was getting a bit um, 
chunky. And he said, I think I'll give this keto thing a try. And so he did it. And so he stopped having potatoes. And then Alex said to Julian, well, if you're only making potatoes for me, then you might as well not bother. So they've just dropped potatoes completely. They have rice occasionally if we have a curry, but mostly they'll just have a naan bread with their curry and they won't have, whereas before they'd have rice and a naan, now they won't. Uh, Pasta they have occasionally, but we're talking once a month, once or twice a month. So their habits have changed. What they haven't done is they haven't dropped all the sweets and the biscuits and things like that. So they still eat quite a lot of sugar, but at least they know about it. That's like a healthier relationship with food though, that's for sure. I mean, I just kind of think, I don't know how you feel about this, but if I had come across this in like my 20s or my teens or something, I feel like, oh, wow, like what a difference my life could have potentially been in some ways. And uh, and I kind of think if our children and our, you know, and the people we know who are younger who can just like learn some of this stuff, it might be there for them when they need it in the future potentially, which I think is really special to think you're you're giving them that opportunity, aren't you? As it turns out, I kind of look back now on my own family and my mum was the type who just would not have fruit in the house. She said it's way too sugary. Uh, we had lots of vegetables, but we wouldn't have fruit. And she said, you know, you don't, you don't need all that fruit. It's not good for you. Uh, occasionally, but not very often. And I remember, like, you know, my girlfriend at university being horrified. Like, she's, she's gonna, you're gonna get scurvy or something. Like, I can't believe how dangerous it is. And I'd be like, well, we have salads and we have vegetables and we have fresh cut meat. And uh, my mum, who's a vegetarian, but she'd make sure we'd have liver growing up because she said. That's really, really good for you. And I kind of think now, like, oh, my word, like she is quite ahead of her time in some ways, actually, um, and kind of gave us an advantage that I think a lot of people didn't. Can I ask you two a question as well? Because I don't know I don't know exactly how old you are, but you probably experienced when you were younger the change that really happened in terms of the food standards. Now, I don't know what Australia was like compared to Britain, but in terms of things like microwave meals becoming available, processed food coming onto the market, so you were saying before, Jackie, about what you used to eat at home when you were growing up, and it sounds like you had something quite similar with your children, but what about the Im- impact of even processed foods and, and that sort of thing? Did that ever feature in your own diet at any time? No, never, actually. I, I in the 80s, went and I was in Spain for most, well, all of the 80s and half of the 90s. So I was living abroad, and there they cook from scratch with real food and so it it never came in I was before that time so my dad was an early adopter of everything and um, we had a microwave before anybody had ever heard of microwaves but the only thing we ever used it for was heating things up and then uh, when I got married we didn't have a microwave and it was only when we had a new kitchen put in they gave us a microwave so we had one and then I was finding out more on about radiation. I'd stopped using the microwave many years. I think my boys were probably about two at the time and I'd stopped using the microwave completely. No, they were probably about three. And and then I read you could still get radiation from the microwave. So the very next day that microwave, which we'd had <laughs> for 15 or years or so, went to the tip and we've never had a microwave since. And I don't, you know, I heat up in a saucepan, I heat up in a frying pan. I don't use a microwave at all. And I've never, I don't think I've ever bought a, yes, actually, we would occasionally have um, some chicken Kievs from Marks and Spencers. That was a a treat meal for Julian not to cook 
<laughs> and what about yourself, Louise? It's really interesting you say that, Jackie, because um, same sort of thing. My mum actually renovated the kitchen, and I think that's when we first got our microwave. But what my mum did, because we, we had a small kitchen, or it was relatively small, it was actually like a convection oven, so it was a smaller convection oven. So she most mostly did convection cooking in the smaller in the smaller oven. But same sort of thing. My mum cooked from scratch, so we never had any after school sort of you know like packaged snacks or crisps, those sorts of things. Um, you know, if I came home from school, I'd have I would have an extra sandwich. Um, Dan, we did have fruit because my brother was, um, he grew quite quickly and tall. You know, he was like six foot four. So the only way that mum could keep him filled up was to buy, you know, actual big boxes of fruit. So, um, I remember, you know, the, the around in the living room, there was like all apple cores all lined up on the, on the, on the sofa. So it was really <laughs> gross, but it was all f- fresh, seasonal, local in bulk with the, um, with, you know, people in the neighborhood. So she's, went bulk cooking um, and, and typically all from scratch, which was really to compare and contrast to the, as I said, when um, I, we were blending families and the school snacks, the loads and loads of Costco bulk buy school snacks. It was just, yeah, packet city. So, um, yeah. What, what's interesting is disturbing. I think like when I was, so I was a stay-at-home dad briefly with my daughter and I take her out to like a, a play group in the morning. Then we go to the park with some of the parents after, and all the snacks would come out. And my daughter wasn't even hungry. And I was like, "Well, she's had a good breakfast. She's going to have a good lunch. She'll have a good dinner." I don't understand the kind of the the snacks a few hours after the last meal. I think it's a really weird habit to get into. Like kids must be starving, and they'll all be getting their bananas out. And I think, well, yeah, no wonder they're going to be hungry for lunch then because they're going to be starving for that, aren't they? And you know, and it just seems. It's kind of sad, really, that they're stuck in this snack cycle with with hangry children, which is exactly what they they get trained to be um, after a time. Pause the podcast. Time for a quick keto cake break. And here's something for my DGF community. Deliciously guilt-free. We love DGF because it does exactly what it says on the box. It's that having a sweet treat that I can turn to with full transparency and honesty on the ingredients and the macros and everything that are included. It allows me to indulge in a treat without breaking the, the sugar. Fantastic. Absolutely 100%. I love the products. Um, I think they're really tasty. Um, yeah, just all around a winner. To celebrate the UK Low Carb podcast receiving over 100,000 downloads, we have a very special discount code. Just type in 100K Pod for 15% off our entire range of brownies and blondies. Now, this offer is valid until midnight, Thursday, the 29th of July. Right, on with the show. So, okay, then. So, at this point, then, just, we've, we've. Just going oh, back yeah, to going something you it, said that. I think you're really lucky because your kid you've come into this when your kids are small and they will be brought up in this low carb way of eating and that's just what they will know and I'm sure once they get to the age where other influences are going to come in they'll they'll sort of tend towards doing what you do as a family whereas by the time I discovered keto my boys were about 14 or 15 so they were already making up their own minds about what they eat and so nowadays of course they're they're 18 now I've got twins they will choose what they want to eat and I have no influence over that but all I keep saying to them is 
if you get sick in 10 years time, just remember, I don't know if I'll be around because I'm 40 years older than they are. Um, and you can all work the maths out on that one. Um, if you get sick in 10 years time, maybe I won't be around to tell you, but you just remember what I've done and how much I've changed my health and my well-being through doing what I do. And that's all I can do at this point. It's up to Well, them. Jackie, I just suddenly thought, though, how powerful that was. But actually, you're recording these things right now. So this this is there for them and for my children. Well, I'm getting a bit of a tingle now. But actually, <laughs> you know, this is the thing about making a, making content, whatever way it might be. But I think particularly something like a podcast, you actually are making a record of the things that you want to pass on. And it's, and it's there and it can be ignored or it could be used. But in particular for our families, they can hear our stories. And, and I hope that one day they might be listening to this, realizing the impact of your story and, and what you're doing to change other people's lives and how it could maybe shape theirs as well. Um, they do not want the nickname Canon, I'm sure, uh, in the future. <laughs> let's, let, let's end that with that generation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So I think we're getting close to the period now of, you said you met uh, because you're in this Facebook group. Okay. So you, you met and then I think you've kind of worked out somehow that you're both in Chelmsford around the same sort of time. And that's when you met in person. Is it a bit weird when you've known somebody online? Because I, I mean, this has happened for me and I haven't met these people as yet. Because there's been so many people I've met online for the last year, there's been zero chance of meeting any single one of them. It's going to be a bit, potentially it could be a bit strange meeting for the first time. But uh, did you find that at all? Or was it just you clicked and it's just like the conversation carried on? So we met in, well, we just in this cafe off the high street in Chelmsford. And it was just like, yeah, I just, we just had a chat and, you know, we're in this cafe and it's just like, so Jackie's telling me her story and, you know, obviously um, we'd been in the Facebook group. So, you know, it was just like two old friends. And then it was just really Jackie was telling me almost like this vision board, you know, she had this content of YouTube sort of videos, you know, tracking the content that she had already created. And, you know, this was her her, her aspirations. And it's like, girl need to have a you know you need to be getting out there are you coaching are you doing this and it was almost like I was this career coach you know business coach sort of pushing her which is ironic because Jackie was already in the in the business sort of you know professional mentoring group anyway and it was like the tables had turned I'm going you need to get out and you need to do this and I was quite fine sitting behind the scenes pushing her forward you know like um telling her that she should be getting out there and, you know, she's got a story to tell and she needs to do this. And it's just like she was sitting there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just, it's, it's an interesting, I don't know what you recall of those first, you know, the, well, certainly the first couple of coffee, coffee chats that we had. So it was just like, yeah, yeah, I should do that. How do you remember that, Jackie? Is it like, no, not at all, actually? I went in there saying, Louise, we've got to do something. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. I was, I, I, I mean, at the time I did have a website and I was doing a weekly uh, page on my website and I'd done some YouTube videos. And so I had, I was doing that, but I was, I just had this imposter syndrome thing going on. Uh, you, who am I to do this? So, but I just, you know, anything about keto, it was having somebody to talk to about it. And Louise is a very good listener, so I could chat away for ages. And uh, it was having someone to talk to, and it was great. No, that's really important. I suppose, in a way, you're almost 
is a sounding board exercise where you feel like you're able to say it out loud, which makes it more real. And then it's like, well, hang on a minute. If this is landing well and Louise thinks this works, then surely other people would as well, because it does make sense. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Sometimes you need a friend just to say, yeah, well, of course, you. this is great. You should go out there and do it. So, okay. So how far are we then between that meeting and then the podcast? And I know you do other things as well. So how does that link together? 18 months difference. Okay. Right. Okay. So, so the 18 months, what happens? So um, I, I said, I'd like to do a podcast. Louise said, yes, go and do it, go and do it. So then I started into I uh, started meeting people. We actually, we went to the PHC conference, didn't we, in 2019? And I just ran round it and said, "Will you come on my podcast? Will you come on my podcast? Will you come on my podcast?" And it took me a few months to actually get those interviews going. And then it was probably April 19, no 20, no where are we? Yeah, April 20 or something like that. When I said to Louise, "Do you want to come on with me?" And she at the time said yes. But she had a load of work. So she was doing teaching and marking. And she said, I can't do anything before July. So then we waited until then. And then we started recording the the intro videos. And, and then we had to record all the intros for the recordings that I'd done. And we started doing some more. So we wanted a good bank of um, interviews put away before we launched. So And then it all took time to work it all out. And so... Probably from April 19 to October 20, something like that was the time scale. So in terms of the actual podcast production, is this you, Jackie, who does the, the technical side of, of the editing and everything? Yes. I now, Did you know this before or was this all new no, to you? No, it's all new. It was yeah. all uh, learn on the job. Yeah. It's amazing what you can learn these days though, isn't it? Because I'm new to it as well. I had no understanding, but I just was on YouTube and then looking up a video and then why has that gone wrong? And then working out the mic's not set up. I mean, it takes a while, doesn't it? But once you've got into the flow, I guess, it, it is a bit easier, isn't it? Yeah. So the podcast that I listened to originally that led me to Gretchen Rubin is run by somebody who I've since come to know. And so she did help me in quite a bit with what to do and how to get it going and how to, you know, structure the, the you know, what the whole sequence of everything so I had some great help there. That's great. Thank yeah. you, Joe. Okay. <laughs> Lovely. It's like, a, this is your life. I like, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe comes and she helps. Now, just want to know then, were you at this point, Louise, back in Australia? And have you been since that time? Or were you in the UK as well? No, we, I was actually in Thailand. Oh, so in Thailand December 19. Well, right? Yeah. So I, from uh, October... October 19, I had a quick quick return home to pack up everything and then December 19 landed landed in Thailand. So, yeah, so I've been here um, since December 19. See, because I think that the, the world is so different now. When I first started mine, it was in February 2020 um, with the recordings and I launched in the March. And I remember thinking, you know, this this new program Zoom was like, you know, not not well known back then, and yet the pandemic happened and it's everywhere. So now it's quite normal, I think, to have a meeting on Zoom with anybody. But back then it was so weird. But I love the fact that well, not weird. It's just so so unknown. I guess the the word I was trying to look for. And I just think it's really interesting that even though you're in different time zones, you still thought let's make this together because it would have been easier to get someone in the UK. But I think that's really special that you thought this is a, the dynamic you have as a friendship. And you want to you want to use that as a way to bring guests into the podcast. But I think Jackie will 
you know, this, this resonates with Jackie because you know, she mentioned about the low-carb MD and obviously, you know, they're two big personalities with Dr. Brian and Dr. Tro. And I think that's the the benefit of having, you know, the straight man in the comic, you know, I, I, as I sort of, you know, lovingly call, you know, Jackie lovingly thinks of me as the larrikin, you know, and the plucky little comic side relief, you know, that sort of thing. So I think we bring something different, um, you know, to that and to the interviews and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I think that, that we, we work well off each other and we we look at the questions differently. And yeah, so I think that, you know, I can't praise Jackie enough because she's the, the brains of the outfit because she does all the production. Um, I'm just in the background just, yeah, picking up the pieces as she as she needs. So um, yeah, this is all Jackie's show. So it's I can't not. say that enough. She does yeah. loads then. She does loads. <laughs> she doesn't do the editing of the podcast, but she does most of the other stuff. So I see. She's just trying to be. She's just being humble. I understand. She is. <laughs> so, how do you prepare this then? Because I find okay, doing my show solo is quite easy in a way because I feel like in my head I have a bit of a picture, but I also like to just go with the flow. I think that's natural conversation. So, I personally love the idea of thinking. Well, I don't know what a listener would think about this, or I don't know if a listener would understand that point. And I'm a listener myself to podcasts, and I get annoyed when they haven't asked a more probing question about something I didn't understand. So I tend to just go for it and on the, on the, on the day, go for the conversation. When there's two people, though, does that mean you have to plan more, the sorts of questions you ask? Or is it really the same sort of just dynamic of go with the flow and see how it goes? Weary. Well, Louise is more of a planner, but I am more of a go with the flow. I'm a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants type person. So I just go with where it goes and what we've had is quite a lot of people who are just happy to talk and they just talk and talk and we just let them talk because if they've got a story to tell they're the best ones that they can tell it and so we will quite often not interrupt and just let them talk and then only when they've come to a natural pause do we try and jump in with the question i like to think of it as a Part of it is a Disney formula. So there's a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And in that story, so and maybe this is just the, the the intellectual part of my brain, that there's obviously, as you as you've done, Dan, you know, what led you to to make that transformation. So then there's this sort of, you know, this high drama of, you know, sense making, you know, how what sense of this sort of reconciling this new way of life have you made? And then it's obviously, particularly when we have um, people that have transformed their lives, such as those that have, you know, had quite significant changes, you know, weight loss, inflammation, PCOS, whatever it is that has brought them to to finding and adopting and changing um, and how they've reconciled that. And then this new chapter, this new sort of, um, you know, there's Elsa just, you know, finding um, this whole brave new world, or is that Moana? I'm not sure which one Disney it is, <laughs> but, you know, which princess. So it's it. There's a, always a, a in that story, in that lived experience, which is you know there's this journey to this transformation, and then there's this you know reconciling, and now what um, does this mean for them in that sense making? I just love that story and and hearing that. So for me, there's a little bit of a plan um, because I, I I am a process structured person. I do have as I I think I showed you last time. You know, for the purposes of the video, my my life is color coded, only because I've got so many balls in the air. Um, so I wish I had Jackie's free flowing 
um, way, but that just stresses me out too much. So Fair enough. I wish I, I wish I was more so planning more planned like you are. There you but go. this is so, a thing. This is where you complement so, each other. So when I was on your show, I think Jackie and I are kindred spirits more in this regard because I said, you know, I find one of my areas to develop would be my organisation, and so I'm thinking about hiring somebody to do that for me. And then you, you, Louise, were saying, no, actually, I think it'd be a really good thing for you to own and to do. It. And then Jack said, no, I agree with Dan, just get somebody <laughs> in. And I think that's the, I, I'm, I'm like that. I kind of, I, I think I, I think the problem with society is, is that, do you know the Myers Briggs personality test? Yes. And you've got yeah. the whole, the category of being 16. more like perceiving or, or judging. And the more judging people tend to be a lot more organized. So for those people who are listening and not watching, uh, earlier on, Louise showed us a, ch- a chessboard of color. And it was her t- uh, calendar diary uh, with different events, and it's all color coded perfectly. So you know she knows what she's doing and when, which I like. There's Dan. Dan's green. Dan's green today. There you go. I'm green. Dan, lovely, Dan's, lovely. Dan's fabulously keto. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's the green one. Right there, you go. We're in the system. Um, and so I think society makes us want to be. Well, it says we have to be like that, which of course there's a reason for it because because order is really important. But at the same time, I think maybe the Jackie and me of this world are a little bit more out there, sometimes winging it a little bit. But actually, that's where opportunities arise and things happen, which you would never have known, but it's quite exciting and it's spontaneous. And I think there's a balance there between the two. Louise is pulling a massive face now, like she doesn't <laughs> agree at all, but I wouldn't expect her to. Go on, Louise. No, because, well, because, Dan, I'm an ESTJ. So, hi, my name is Louise and I'm ESTJ. So, I'm an extrovert. I'm sense-sensing. So, I'm thinking and I'm I'm judgmental. So, um, but however- Judging, not judgmental. That's not the same because it's not the same to say you're judgmental. That's a bit harsh to say that, yeah. Well, I, I- I weigh things up. But in saying that, Dan, that particular ESTJ um, profile was in my 20s. I took it again. So I think it was I'm now, instead of thinking, I'm feeling. So I think with age, I've become Mm. a a lot less process. Well, I'm still processed, but I'm still a a lot more in tune with my feelings. So I'm an ESFF. I still evaluate things. So in terms of that judging. I don't know about you, Dan, but I never fit into any of the boxes. I'm always an outlier. Are you this or this? Uh, I don't know. I'm neither, or I'm both, or uh, that. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's my star sign. That's very. Uh, I, don't, I I tend to be. I'm a bit extreme, actually. So, um, actually, can you guess my personality type? This is a bit random, isn't it? But uh, you know, the last one is P for sure. I'm not a judging person. Um, oh, you'd be an extrovert, I'd guess. I'm an extrovert, yeah. So E. I don't know what the others are. I can't remember what yeah. the others uh, are. You'd be, you're certainly not, uh, you'd be either sensing or intuitive. So you'd be an EN. Yeah, EN, yeah. I'm intuitive, yeah. yeah. So I tend to have and, imagination yeah. and creativity rather than sensing. And then the, and then the feeling, the feeling and perceptive. Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Mm. So I'm, I'm ENFP. Um, so yeah, so extrovert, sorry, if anyone's listening who doesn't know about this, actually, um, I think Myers-Briggs is very useful, but it's like a lot of these things. It's only, it's only one of those things, which is a, a bit of an insight into who you are. It doesn't dictate anything at all. Uh, so take it or leave it. But I think there's a lot of value in it personally, because especially when you meet somebody with a different personality type, you suddenly realize how you can click well together, but also how you can probably wind each other up a little bit. And, uh, I see this in my classes at school to really help them understand themselves. But. It's only as good as the day that you took the test. 
that's, that's, that's really, that's, that's, you know, these are all sort of, you know, but mostly, I mean, the integrity in the design, particularly for Myers-Briggs, obviously they ask the same question 10 different ways just to make sure that you, you do actually have it. So, but it still would depend on the day. Sort of oh stuff. yeah. And, but like a lot of these things, they're, they're mm-hmm. take or leave, aren't they? They're not going to dictate your life, but I think it's an interesting way to learn about yourself potentially a little bit. And I think your dynamic's very interesting because I think, you know, you probably do complement each other quite nicely in that regard because you have mm. different positions and, and it means you're coming at it from different angles, which I think is quite nice. Um, and you might even come out of a podcast with a very different feeling about it. I would imagine one of you might come out thinking, oh, I love it when we talked about this part. And somebody might say, oh, actually, I thought it was the highlight was this part because that's just how people are, aren't they? They're different. Um, and that dynamic's important, I think, for your podcast. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, the fact that, um, well, obviously Jackie was sort of saying that, you know, we've been obviously recording and we have um, quite, we've had this range of guests and those sorts of things. So I think the fact that we've, you know, have this unique um, approach to wanting to inspire, inform and educate um, and hopefully we've done that and, you know, our listeners really appreciate it. So I certainly appreciate working with Jackie. It's been a fabulous opportunity to to spend more time with her and i just wish i had more time to we had more time in the uk so yeah well i'm going to come on to that next because i'm going to say where are we heading next with the project and what's your plans is it continue as you are for now but you've got like maybe other ideas in the pipeline um and potentially would you have the chance to be working in the same location or is that not going to happen for a while louise i guess that's depending on where you are in the world right well my wish um yeah, it would be obviously one day to sort of be back in the UK, but at this stage, um, you know, my partner is obviously here on an embassy post, Australian embassy post, which really what what brought me back from the UK here. So um, that was a three-year posting to, um, to the embassy here in Bangkok. So not in the foreseeable future, but, um, but that's not going to stop us from recording and um, – yeah, so that that's really where I'm going to be at least for the next 600 more sweaty days in paradise. So, so, um, so you could be anywhere in the world then, really, Louise. You could be Siberia or – well, not Siberia. It would be Moscow, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you could be anywhere in the world for that sort of career. Oh, I don't really know. Um, obviously, with the next posting cycle, that should be back to Australia. So, um, yeah, that, that's that will remain to be seen in terms of – the um the relationship contract so we we have this on video friends um that at the end of this post apparently it'll be my turn to to you know to prioritize the the career opportunities as to where i want to go so the world's my oyster so it may or may not be back obviously in australia or it could be yeah could be back in the uk jackie could <laughs> wow. be down the road at chelmsford again yeah so close to dan's shop in cambridge there you go. So we could be in the, we're all in the similar neck of the woods, aren't we? Really, especially compared to like Thailand. You know, <laughs> when you when you're back in East Anglia, that's way way closer, isn't it? Although the roads aren't brilliant here necessarily to get there. <laughs> but um, and what about yourself, Jackie? What's the plan for for the podcast, and what's what's in the pipeline? I think the plan for the podcast is just to continue for the moment. For as happy as, as long as Louise is happy to co-host, we'll continue. We keep talking about maybe doing a book. But we're both quite busy, so that may or may not happen. Um, I'm coaching um, clients with who want to get into low-carbon keto. 
and currently um, upskilling and doing another coaching program. Uh, just going to see where it goes. Like I said, I'm not a great planner. I just keep keep doing what I'm doing because I just love what I'm doing. So I'm just going to keep doing it. That's great. And I think that's the right thing. If you're enjoying it and it's going the way that you kind of, you're, you're, you know, you feel like you're happy with it, then just keep going and see where it takes you. That's why, that's why that I think Jackie and I would work. We just see the opportunities as they rise, which I think is really important. Now I was going to ask you about Clubhouse because I know you've been on there quite a, quite a lot, Jackie. I don't know if you have as well, Louise. Maybe I haven't caught you at the same time, but certainly I've seen, I've seen you there on there, Jackie. And, um, you've been in different rooms, haven't you? And now those people who haven't got Clubhouse yet, do you want to just tell us a bit about what Clubhouse is and the kinds of conversations that you can have in there? Well, interestingly, interestingly enough, at the beginning, I was into it and I was trying to get in and meeting different people. And we've got some great guests on our podcast through connections that I made through Clubhouse. However, in the last, so it is a social media app. And it's all about voice. So you don't see anyone. You only see the photo of yourself that you put up or your dog or whoever it is that you're going to display. Um, I never understand the point of that. But anyway, so I, <laughs> you can see my picture. That's me. And uh, and it's about discussing different things. So I quite often went into the keto groups. However, since then, I've stopped because I just have too much to do. It's really hard. I find it very difficult to listen and do other things. So uh, if I need to concentrate, so I can listen and do things, but then I can't input because I haven't been totally listening. So if I need to input something into the conversation, then I would need to sit and listen. And I just haven't got the time. I don't know where these people have the time to be on uh, Clubhouse all the time. So I haven't been on it for quite a while now, actually. I'm the same. I felt like I really pulled back because um, it. Well, there's there's several things there. I think you're right about the time. I don't have the time to to listen properly and engage in a conversation. So I'd, I'm I'm always the sort of person who'd rather do something properly and or not at all. So I I stepped back from it about a month or so ago uh, for that reason. But secondly, there's no leverage in that. So if you're part of the conversation there and then you got something from it, and that's great. But for instance, you can't just go back later and think, oh, you know, what was that thing that they were talking about today? I'll, I'll now watch it. And you can't equally put your own things on there for later for somebody to watch. It's in real time. So whoever's there at that time gets it. Who wasn't there at the time doesn't get it. And I think I've not worked out really how to leverage that as a podcast or anything because it seems like too much hassle almost. Like this recording now, we're just doing it. It'll be there online. People can listen to it 10 years from now, 20 years, 30 years, whatever. That Clubhouse conversation, that's gone. And it's it seems a bit of a... Okay, well, it's nice as it was, but you know. And, oh, and the other thing is as well, I've, I've not so much in keto and low carb, but in in business groups, I find it just gets a bit annoying in the end with these stoic type blokes in particular who are talking about you've got to feel the burn and burn at both ends, and you know, like not sleep, and and it's like, oh my word, like this is nonsense, you know. And I just don't. I in the end, it just did my head in a little bit. I was like, you know what? I'd rather pull away from this because it isn't giving me any any value at all, really. And I found that a bit frustrating. And if you don't get in on the conversation at the beginning, then you've missed a chunk. And if you have to go, then you've missed a chunk. Whereas I like to listen to podcasts and I don't listen to podcasts in a, I won't sit down and listen to a whole podcast. I will go. And if I'm going to put the washing on now, I will go and put a podcast on and I might listen for 10 minutes while I'm sorting the washing, putting it away. 
Then I stop it. Then I come back and I do my work and I do my work in silence because I like that. And then I'll go off and do something else and I will put the podcast on. If I'm doing some exercise, I might put the podcast on. So through the day, I'm listening to it quite a few times a day, but I can stop and come back and I can rewind. If I didn't catch something, I can rewind and say, oh, what was that a bit? Again, I just need to get that a yeah. bit clearer yeah. and I can re-listen to it and I can do it at my own time, at my own pace. I think that it, it really depends on, you know, whether you're in synchronous or you're asynchronous. And that's the thing that you're like audiobooks, you know, the podcasts, iTunes University, that you have this asynchronous sort of thing that you can dip in and you can dip out. But the fact is with the, you know, when Jackie and I were in in the clubhouse, you know, in these rooms together, that it was obviously there's a start and a finish and it was dynamic and it was interactive and it was this sort of synchronous conversations. And, you know, like you said, Dan, there was no, you know, not so much no learning objectives or, you know, that there was no, it really was depending whether we did actually have a theme that day, Jackie, you know, that the flow of the conversation and we were, it was almost like a little focus group. It was like a workshop facilitating a conversation when we were running the the clubhouses there. But it was, it's synchronous. It's a, There's a start and a finish and there's no actual, um, as you said, no nothing tangible to take away from it other than I was in a clubhouse between 8am and 9am, you know, whereas whereas the podcasts or the audiobooks and that sort of stuff, you can, it's on your own terms. It is, you know, dipping in and dipping out and I am going to backtrack and re-listen to that again and I'm going to, yeah, it's, it's like a, it is an actual tool that you can go back to. There's something tangible about, as you said, this content that we're creating today. I, yeah, you know, I, I think clubhouse rooms only work though when they're fairly small. This is what I've learned. So there's nothing more frustrating than being stuck in line to ask a question and having to go somewhere or do something. But I've been in there for so long now waiting to ask it that I'm like, I can't even remember my question perfectly. And I'm going to have to, and I don't want to leave my place now. And then you do get asked and you ask the question and they don't really answer very well or you kind of don't feel like it's a conversation because they're on to the next person and you're like oh this is awful whereas a small room is a bit more like this where you can have you know everyone's got mm. equal space everyone can have a bit of thinking time everyone can have some talking time and listening time and and i think it's much more pleasant and i think if clubhouse may small like that that'd be good but then these platforms want to get more people in so they're by their very nature going to get bigger not smaller so i kind of think in a way Maybe the golden age of some of those rooms has been already. I don't know, um, you know, potentially. Um, but we'll see. I think it's it's now open to Android as well. So if you've got an Android, then I will certainly uh, say check it out for yourselves and see what you think. But before we wrap up today, there's two things I was going to ask. Firstly, where can people connect with you? And uh, what's your, I, I guess it's all called Fabricity Keto, but where can they find you on social media, the internet generally, and also your podcasts? So the website is fabulouslyketo.com. It's not very good. It's a work in progress and progress has been very slow. All our social media, so Twitter, um, Facebook um, is Fabulously Keto. Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Somebody got there before me on that one. And yeah, just Fabulously Keto wherever Fantastic. And do you tweet in your own names as well, or is that just all kept under the Fabulously Keto banner? Louise does. I just do it under the Fabulously Keto. Yeah, I have um, just random political, 
you'll enjoy it, Dan, sort of, you know, just um, at Dr. Lou Reynolds, I think PhD is my Twitter handle. So, uh, yeah. Excellent. And just before we go, the second thing I was going to ask you was, for somebody starting out on this journey, and it could be either of you or both of you want to give this advice, what tip or thing would you, a little bit of wisdom would you give to them starting out and they're just literally finding about keto by listening to your podcast? What would you say to them as a little bit of a, this is the thing that you need? Listen to episode number two. Jackie. <laughs> okay, there you go. And the same for you, Jackie. What, Dan's episode no- number two, Louise. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, thanks very much, Louise. I'll take that. Um, <laughs> Um, I have I now. have so many Dan. I've been really thinking about this, and I think the the biggest thing is to work out why you're doing this. Because if it's just for weight loss, then that doesn't that doesn't sustain itself, and you need something bigger than your why. So, for example, as I said before, I'm 40 years older than my kids, and so my why is I want to see them grow up. And I want to see them have kids of their own. And not only that, when I get to that age, I want to have a quality of life where I can move, I can get down on the floor, I can play with these grandkids, I can do things, I can go out and I can enjoy my life. So my plan is to, and I decided a long time ago that I wanted to get to 107, but I want to get there. I didn't think about how I wanted to get there. I just thought I wanted to be 107, but now I want to be 107 and able to do the things that I can do today, maybe a little less. flexibly that but I still want to be able to do it and I want to be able to wipe my own butt and look after myself and feed myself and that so that's my why but then I think the other three things I would say is eliminate sugar seed oils and grains they are really not good for us they're causing a lot of problem in the world and I think if you start there that would be a great place to start brilliant I think that's really really wise words thank you so much Louise and thank you Jackie for coming on today I've really enjoyed our time together and I love your podcast and I wish you all the very best of luck over the next few years and as things develop and happen, I'm sure you're going to have uh, lots of success. So thank you for coming on UK Low Carb today. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Dan. Great being here. Great. Thanks, Dan. All right then. And uh, I will see you all next time. So if you want to come back and uh, like share your story or a bit more of what you're up to, please do. Uh, Until then, um, take care, everyone, and have a great week. Hello, you're still there? Dan here. I can see you're one of the keen ones because you're still listening. So, got a very simple request. Please go and rate and review this podcast now on Apple if you haven't done so already. And I'll read it out next week on the show. So go and do that. Hear about your review next week. Everyone's a winner. Right, I'm going to shoot off now. Take care. Have a lovely week. See you next Friday. (laughs) 